Hey guys, so if you're hearing this, you've probably already listened to part one of this week's show in which we went over the offseason moves and NFL draft picks of all 16 AFC teams and the fantasy implications of those. In this show, we'll be going over the offseason moves and NFL draft picks of all of the 16 NFC teams and of course, diving into the fantasy implications as well. So I hope you guys enjoy. Welcome to another edition of the Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host, back here with your co-host, Chris, the fantasy expert. And in today's show, as I just said about 30 seconds ago, we'll be going over the NFC offseason moves and free agent transactions and NFL draft picks uh, that happened during this offseason and what they mean for the 2021 fantasy season. You probably already heard the previous episode, part one. We decided to split this up into two episodes because the first one took so long and we wanted to do some deep analysis on all of them. So Chris is here. We're back. We're recording this a day later than part one. But yeah, we're going to be going over the whole NFC this time and going over their free agent moves and their Mm -hmm. NFL drafts and what it means for fantasy football. Yep. All right. So yeah, I guess no news. Uh, no news dropped since the last episode, so I guess we can just get started. Chris, I assume you're doing well. It's the weekend, mm-hmm. and it's su- yeah. summer. It's been summer for you for a little while, and yeah, I'm doing well as well, as this is my first full day of summer. Mm-hmm. Yep, exciting. Yep, and we're recording this on Saturday, like I said, So, or I don't know if I said it, but I said we were recording a day later, and we recorded the other one on Friday, so these both dropped in your feed at the same time, so you got a double, double dose of the podcast for this week. So let's get started. Um, we will go over all of the NFC teams. We've got our separate trackers that we have where we have the offseason moves tracker pulled up and then the uh, NFL draft tracker. So I guess we're starting with the NFC East, Chris. Is that correct? How this uh, note sheet goes? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm just scrolling down to find it and then we can start. All right, here we go. So The NFC East, we'll start with the Dallas Cowboys, who their biggest news didn't do much on offense other than re-signing Ty Insecki as their offensive tackle. He's been a serviceable guy throughout the league, first with the football team and then with the Cowboys. So now he signed a one-year deal. But the Cowboys re-signed Dak Prescott, who got hurt last year, season-ending injury to a four-year, $160 million contract. And he will be back and continue to be Uh, I mean, honestly, I think he belongs in that elite tier of fantasy quarterback. He was on historic pace at the beginning of last year, and he had some upside with his rushing. Got some good receivers in Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. And then there's some interesting stuff to talk about at tight end as well, as well as as Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard at running back. Chris, this is a pretty fantasy-friendly offense. What do you think of it for next year? Yeah, definitely. It's really good for the Cowboys that they ended up re-signing Dak Prescott because he is the future of their franchise. And from a fantasy standpoint, that helped a lot to the signing just because, I mean, he's kind of the conductor of that offense. And we saw them start to falter without him when he got injured last season. So I'm excited for a Zeke rebound with him back and all of his receivers to put together a a good fantasy season. He's much better than Andy Dalton was, just a much more aggressive uh, passer. And so I think that's going to benefit everyone in the fantasy season. So when you're looking at uh, Cowboys players, I think you should definitely don't be expecting like another – dull season because I think with uh, Dak Prescott coming in and with him going to be here for four more years, this offense is going to be as explosive as it was. 
two years. Yeah, ago. and we've talked about like like you said with Zeke. I think this year he's going to be able to have a nice rebound and be in that borderline top five range where he usually is. But keep in mind that he's had five straight years of a heavy workload, so the drop off can come pretty quick. I'm not going to bet on it coming this year, uh, but like pretty soon it it could still and it could come very suddenly. Although he's looked good this off season, so it's sort of a balancing act. But you don't want to be caught holding too long. For example, in a dynasty league, holding on to Zeke for too long. Uh, right now, he's the RB8 on Fantasy Pros. That looks about right to me. I might put him ahead of Alvin Kamara, depending on what happens with that quarterback situation. Probably ahead of JT as well, to be honest. So maybe I'd actually probably like Zeke a little bit as a value, as he's probably going to be going later in the first rounds with that draft position. Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely. I'm in agreement with you there. I think to, that that you should totally be ex- expecting Zeke to return to what he, he once was, because he's still just as talented. I think it was just the quarterback play that faltered a little bit in it not only did it uh, stop Zeke, but it also stopped that entire offense. So Zeke wasn't able to get in the red zone as much and that didn't help him. So yeah. Yeah. And then as for the wide receivers, Amari Cooper with Dak there has been like around borderline top 12 guy. And he's actually the uh, wide receiver 16 on fantasy pros. I would probably take him over guys like a guy like Julio, maybe over a guy like Chris Godwin. So I'm not really sure. Like those are the two guys ahead of him right now. So I might like him a little more than consensus, but I'm, okay with that spot and cd lamb as wide receiver 17 that's also i'm fine with that again maybe maybe above julio but actually probably not with or that's less likely i haven't really decided that as of yet but cd has some good breakout potential as well as the two in that offense he actually produced pretty immediately when Dak was out there and he had some solid games even when Dak was gone it was actually interesting because i mean cd had quietly a very very good season and we saw how talented he is it's just like you have to be careful with that. You can't um, just assume that he didn't have – like you can't just forget about that and assume like, oh, CD, or CD was a bust in his first season because – and actually when you include all weeks, weeks one through 16 in fantasy, CD Lamb was the wide receiver 16. So he was actually like actually really solid even with Andy Dalton. So mm-hmm. this is a good player. Don't forget about him. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I actually liked Jerry Judy a little bit more coming out of the draft. Felt like, I mean, I loved Jerry Judy's work ethic and the the work he puts into those small mechanics. Like, his running style, for example, is, like, a really, really efficient running style to make him, like, faster than maybe he, quote-unquote, should be. But, I mean, CD was also an incredible prospect and uh, was looking like the better one so far. Mm-hmm. And then yep, at tight definitely. end... That would probably take Blake Jarwin over Dalton Schultz, and Jarwin's coming back from that ACL tear. Currently mm-hmm. the tight end 19 on Fantasy Pros. I don't know. I mean, I understand some guys ahead of him. I might take him, though, over that – over, like, for example, Hunter Henry, who I think Jonu, like I talked about last episode, is going to be better than. So – and then guys like Tyler Higbee. Oh, no. I, I, I definitely take Hunter Henry over Blake Jarwin. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, I don't I mean, mind we don't even know that Blake Jarwin is – the clear-cut starter there's still Dalton Schultz is still there and he put together a solid season last year meanwhile you've got Hunter Henry who's a really proven talented tight end I'd much rather have Henry yeah I guess that's fair I mean actually I haven't really again I haven't really finished my whole tight end rankings I feel like uh, over Higby and then maybe maybe over Henry I just don't see like that much very much consistency at all from Henry I just feel like he's going to be the clear two whereas I think Jarwin will be the one the clear one but Schultz may may still get some work as well mm-hmm. yep okay let's move on uh and yeah neither of those guys like Jarwin's not really gonna be he's gonna be basically free so if you want him in your fantasy draft you can probably get him in the last round mm-hmm. yeah the New York Giants are the next team Chris is the resident Giants fan here and they had a very busy offseason 
on defense, they re-signed Leonard Williams. Um, they picked up some other playmakers, Adoree Jackson at cornerback. So now they've got a really talented secondary. This is a defense that you're like, I mean, if you decide to carry an extra defense in Dynasty, an amazing stash, to be honest, because they've got a lot of young playmakers. Like other than Logan Ryan, who I think is 30, like most of their guys are very, very young. And so, but yeah, they also signed Kenny Galladay on the offensive side. And Chris and I are both higher on Galladay than in consensus. Four years, $72 million deal. And this is because, Chris, I think we both think that Daniel Jones actually does have some potential to break out next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think that I'm not 100% sure I'm not fully committed to Jones yet, but I think that the addition of, of Kenny Galladay is going to help him a lot. They also got Kadarius Tony in the draft. So I expect to step up in general from this Giants offense that was bottom three in the league, I mean, in my opinion. And I think a lot of stats would show that too. So I expect their scoring to go up a lot. I think Daniel Jones has shown a lot of talent. I mean, according to the NFL Next Gen stats, he was ranked as the best deep ball passer in the entire league. So, I mean, I think that with some receivers and a big-armed guy like Kenny Galladay, where, I mean, Daniel Jones, his biggest skill is is making accurate throws, right? Mm -hmm. I think that where he struggles is with his decision-making. So, I think that having a big arm receiver like Kenny Galladay is going to give him a lot of options because he's really good at getting the ball to a spot where maybe only Kenny G can reach it because of his big wingspan. So I think that's going to be a really good connection. And then finally to have that red zone target, it's it's just all really good. They got Kyle Rudolph as well, who is a really good red zone player. So this team is shaping up to be a much more pretend team on offense. And so I think that'll help a lot of people. Also Saquon returning is huge for him too. Coming out of the backfield, he's going to be able to catch some passes. And so, I mean, this Giants offense should come from a, a bottom three team to at least closing in on an average offense. So I think that that's exciting for fantasy purposes. Yeah, I mean, that stat you brought up, though, that's incredible. I mean, the narrative about Jones, I knew about his arm. I knew about, like, we know that he's, like, from watching the games, that he can throw the ball deep and be accurate with it. He's just not, like, decision-making was also a problem for him. But, jeez, he improved a ton from year one to two and the other like that that like he actually was like I had to look it up to make sure he was the number one deep ball passer according to next gen stats which is just incredible and people who say that Daniel Jones didn't really improve from year one to year two I mean a couple of things that don't pull look up on the stat sheet these this deep completion percentage on deep passes which is nearly 50 percent he threw for 19 for 39 636 five touchdowns no interceptions over 134 passer rating which is incredible and again, like he improved a ton. He also became a better decision maker and throwing the ball away, which that doesn't count against the deep attempts. So maybe like that definitely hurt his completion percentage. But like when he was throwing the ball away, instead of throwing picks that just helped his team overall. So, I mean, that's really why his completion percentage didn't part of the reason why his completion percentage didn't go up as much, but on like actual deep attempts, that's really, really good. And we know that Kenny Galladay was also, I mean, he is one of the best players out there in 20 plus yard catches and he consistently puts it up year after year that he's elite in that category so he can be really really good and his ranking right now is pretty low like he is the uh i believe the wide receiver 21 in fantasy bros half ppr consensus or wide receiver 20 behind guys like adam thielen dj moore cd lamb uh julio i take him over all of those i think pretty easily kenny galladay is gonna break out next year and um I don't know. I'm, I know you said you weren't completely sold on Daniel Jones, but I'm pretty close to being like on fully on that breakout hype train. This looks like, I mean, honestly looking like a Josh Allen situation 
I feel like if he can, Mm -hmm. he's finally got that receiver that can stretch the field and he was already good in deep passes. It's just, it's incredible how far the narrative has surfaced that Daniel Jones is a bad deep ball passer. Like that's what he does best. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So Daniel Jones, I'm looking to get him in the Scott fishbowl. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Don't, don't tell the listeners. Don't tell any yeah. fans who might be in it or analysts who are listening who might be. Yeah. In he's it. one of my favorite players. Yeah. Though. No, in a super flex I'll, league, you always got to look for those quarterback values and Daniel Jones is going to be going so low. Yeah. I'm yeah, going to be I'm getting to, around that. I'm, I'm going for the eighth pick around like that three Oh five or something. If by chance, Daniel Jones is still there. I'm definitely going to pull the trigger. Oh, he will. I promise you that. Or I, I guess I can't promise, but I don't really, I mean, we don't play super flex as much. But, like, mm-hmm. with the third-round reversal, you'll have the 108, the 205, and the 305. If you get your draft spot request, I know you're requesting. Yeah, I mean, maybe I can even wait until the fourth round. Right now, in fantasy pros, he's ranked as the 19th quarterback. Yeah, I mean, you're going to be seeing a lot of guys go off the board before Daniel Jones. I think you'll be seeing a quarterback lull around round three. When, like, a lot of teams will ha- – most teams will have one or two quarterbacks, and they'll just be like, okay, now time to get a potential breakout running back or an elite wide receiver. I think that's what you'll be seeing. You'll Daniel Jones will fall. Not exactly sure how far, but he will. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'll be getting him too. It's going to be awesome. Imagine mm-hmm. having like, if I had, I'm requesting number 10 and we talked about this before the show. Like if <laughs> I just realized this is, I was, I remember telling the listeners a couple of years or weeks ago when we all got our invites, you're going to be hearing a lot about this, whether you want to hear it or not. This is one of those examples, but I'm requesting number 10. So if I can get like a quarterback and a running back at the one, two turn, like maybe an elite running back because it's super flex or like a burrow and comparing with a burrow or Tannehill, or maybe I get Herbert and like Tannehill or Herbert and burrow, depending on how fast quarterbacks are going, I could go different directions, but then I don't really have to like, there are some guys I really like later, like Daniel Jones, like Zach Wilson. Those are the guys I'm going to be looking for to be my second or third quarterback so that I can have someone that can function for me in that super flex spot where in case you guys don't know, it's where you can, there's one flex spot that where you can flex a quarterback. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. Scott Fishbowl tangent over. Uh, go sign up at scottfishbowl.com slash 2021 slash sign up. It'd be awesome. I mean, if you guys like wanted to, I know we get like average like 20 or 25 downloads per episode, but if anyone wanted to request us to be in our division, that'd be, that'd be fun. You can request us and you'll probably get in because I don't know if we'll have all, we're not going to be flooded with requests mm-hmm. like fantasy footballers are. <laughs> yep. Okay. So, um, yeah, let's move on. I guess we talked to the Giants. They signed John Ross. This, I don't think this means much because they drafted Kadarius Tony. But, yeah, I guess let's, mm-hmm. we can talk about their draft real quick as well. Because, yeah, Kadarius Tony is a good player, good dynasty stash because he's a bit hated on in the dynasty community, even though he has a lot of talent, just because of his, like, limited production profile in college. But I think his touches in year one are going to be manufactured and a bit inconsistent because of that. He can develop into a nice receiver, but I'm not really looking for him in redraft. I'm looking for him more in dynasty. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think it's going to take it a second year for him to really develop. He's had a rough start to his training camp, though. He struggled with uh, some injuries now, and then he had to leave on a family emergency. He didn't look all that great, but I think that, I mean, it's very common for that, so don't get too caught up in that. He's definitely a great dynasty buy. And even for redraft, if you want to go ahead and spend a late round flyer on him, just betting on the improvement of this Giants offense is, as a whole, I think that's definitely not a bad decision because there's definitely room for a second wide receiver. I don't know if Sterling Shepard is the guy. And while I think that maybe you would rather have Shepard over Tony this year, 
I think that Tony, def- I mean, most people would agree that Tony has more breakout potential. So it's definitely worth a flyer. If he turns out to be as talented as the Giants, the Jaguars, and the Packers all thought he was going into the draft, then I think that he could put up really solid fantasy numbers and be that player that can kind of play sort of that flex position, that wide receiver flex position, or maybe in a three wide receiver league play your third wide receiver. So yeah. eventually. Yeah, I mean, we found out there's at least three teams picking in the late first round that were wanting Kadarius Tony pretty badly, and he went at number 20 in the first round. So, yeah, I just he, – he mainly does his best work on screen passes, which aren't mm-hmm. really sustainable as much. Like, I mean, he's more of a, like a slot screen pass, just good in space. But, like, yeah, so I'm not, I'm not loving, like, his profile for this year. That's not a guy I'm looking for, even though I like this Giants offense. Like, I'd rather – like target a guy like Galladay at wide receiver or Jones at quarterback, or, I mean, I'm fine taking Barkley because I think he can bounce back from his injury and this offense will look a lot different. Or even Evan Ingram who struggles with drops, but he gets enough targets to be all right. Just, I'm not looking. Kadarius Tony is not a guy that I'm like trying to get in my fantasy draft. I might not, I, I, like, I wouldn't be like drafting yep. him unless it was maybe in like the last round. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles. But yeah, like you said, in year two, he has potential to break out. But yeah. I think we've sort of established, we belabored the topic so we can move on. The Philadelphia Eagles didn't do much in free agency other than signing Kerryon Johnson and Jordan Howard, which is just going to be annoying. And they're saying that Miles Sanders won't be a workhorse, which is annoying. So, yeah, we're just going to have to accept that Miles Sanders is, he gets, he, he finds a way to get enough touches, but they're just inconsistent. It's just going to be annoying. He's not going to be a, like the next breakout superstar, although I don't mind having him as your RB2. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, that's solid. But in the draft, the Eagles took a center. They worked on their defense later in the draft, but, and took Kenneth Gainwell. So I guess that also hurts uh, Miles Sanders as sort of a guy who might get a few manufactured passes. But at number 10, they took Devontae Smith, former Heisman Trophy winner, who definitely should have gone at number six over Jalen Waddell, mm-hmm. <laughs> because both Chris and I agree he's skinny. We know that. But, like, when you're the first wide receiver to win a Heisman in over 20 years or however long it was, we have to accept that you're an outlier. You played; He played against SEC defenses, so you can't say, like, oh, he would be the only one at his weight to be good. Like, he's the only, basically the only wide receiver in the modern NFL to have won the Heisman Trophy. So, yeah, come on now. 23 touchdowns mm-hmm. in a shortened season. That's all you need to know. He's just great at everything, pretty much. Like, like there's no flaws with him other than his size. So... I'm actually like, there's some question marks surrounding Jalen Hurts, but I think Smith, Smith is really the only good wide receiver there. So he can just get a lot of targets and be productive in year one. And even if Hurts isn't that accurate, it can be an Allen Robinson or a Cortland Sutton situation. I honestly, like, I know he's a rookie, but I do feel like, like, it sounds crazy. I feel like he has 150 target potential. And if he gets that and catches like a hundred, which is like a low catch count, which is because of like, I guess not, it's not that low, but it's lower. Like, even if he catches under a hundred, he can still just be a stud, and he has that target potential. I really believe he does, even though, I mean, it sounds crazy for a rookie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, and I agree with you that Devontae Smith could see an absurdly high amount of targets for a rookie, and I'm excited with what he can do with them because he is so good at finding open space, and when he gets the ball in his hands, he's dominant. So I think that as long as he stays away from injuries, he's going to be a really solid, fancy guy, and I'm definitely going to have him higher than his ADP because – I think with Jalen Hurts, while he's not the best quarterback, he's going to have to feed him because he's really their best receiver, like you said, Calvin. So I'm definitely excited for him. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't see why he 
can't be a at least a hundred target guy, maybe maybe more by the end of the season because he's got a quarterback that's solid enough, and he's got a, he's on a team where they don't really have a defined number one wide receiver. I think he can take that role. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, in the seventeen game season, we're thinking maybe like if Jalen hurts, I'm just making this number up. Like 15 pass attempts per game seems pretty conservative. That goes out to about 260, 270 per game. And Jalen Hurts' arm is a little bit underrated. It's just his accuracy that's question mark. But if he does that, you could get 110 targets for Devonta Smith, 70 targets for Dallas Goddard, 75, and then the rest can just be spread around amongst the other receivers. I mean, there's space because there's just not m- any other guys there for even if they don't throw the ball that much for Devonte to get a decent amount of targets. I agree with you that he, I, if I had to project it, it's probably over a hundred in year one, barring an injury. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he has that potential. I'm not saying I, to be, to be clear, I'm not saying he can't, he will get 150. Like that was just his absolute ceiling. I think it's way lower than that, honestly, but he could. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. All right. The football team, Washington football team, will wrap up the NFC East. They signed Ryan Fitzpatrick, Curtis Samuel, uh, quarterback and wide receiver. So that's going to be awesome for their offense. Ryan Fitzpatrick loves to throw to his number one receiver, which means Terry McLaurin is going to have a huge breakout. Curtis Samuel's touches, he's kind of like that Kadarius Toney kind of player, that maybe even that Jalen Waddle kind of player where his touches can get manufactured. He might be a bit inconsistent. Because we also they also have guys like Logan Thomas. They signed Adam Humphreys. Antonio Gibson will demand targets because he plays like a wide receiver. And then they've got like J.D. McKissick. But, uh, I mean, he, Curtis Samuel can still catch the ball downfield. And Fitzpatrick likes to throw it downfield. So he can still be good. So what do you think of this offense, Chris, next year? I'm all in on um, McLaurin and I'm all in on Gibson. McLaurin is, oh my, I didn't realize his price was wide receiver nine. Well then, okay. Yeah, I was going to say he's going to be a value next year, but at the wide receiver nine fantasy pros price, probably not. Although that might be about where I'd take him, like borderline top 10. Mm, yeah, I'm not as high on, on Terry McLaurin. Uh, I mean, I yes, I actually trust the quarterback play, Ryan Fitzpatrick, a little bit more, but I think that Curtis Samuel is a sleeper to get some some good touches and, and get a lot of receptions in this offense. They also have Antonio Gibson. They've got a few mouths to feed in this offense, and Yes, I like McLaurin. I think he's talented, but I don't think he's as good as a lot of people think he's. And I don't think he has uh, – he's not a top-10 value in my mind. I'm gonna definitely going to have him lower than ADP. Okay. Yeah, I didn't think his ADP was there. I think it's been recently updated, and it just shot up. Like, he was not there. He was down quite a few spots before that. Uh, Curtis Samuel at wide receiver 35. That's not something I'm going to be targeting just because I said his inconsistency is going to be a little bit hard to bank on. That might be a solid spot for him makes me very happy that he's ahead of Juju Smith-Schuster. But, yeah, I mean, maybe about wide receiver 35, maybe a little lower, because I probably like guys like Tyler Boyd and Devonta Smith a little bit better. hmm Yep. Okay. Um, let's see. Next team. Let's go to the AFC or NFC North. Chicago Bears re-signed Allen Robinson. And with Justin Fields coming into the league, we know he's a good player, but we know with not many receivers there, he's going to lean on his one. I could see 150 targets again for Allen Robinson. And David Montgomery, we know he played his easy schedule last year. He's probably more of a mid-tier RB2. Like I think we talked about last episode or maybe two ago. I remember talking about it yesterday, I feel like. So, yeah, Robinson will be good again. He'll probably put up borderline wide receiver one numbers maybe a little bit less depending on like if there are a ton of breakouts this year, you can rely on him to be good again. And then the bears in the draft, 
they obviously had an interesting draft. Traded up for Justin Fields, which was a great pick in my eyes, even though um, I wasn't the highest on Fields. He was just dropping so far. Then they worked on their offensive line, getting Tevin Jenkins, who, Chris, I know you really like. So I think we like the Bears offseason, both of us. And for fantasy, this I don't mind this offense at all. Like, I'll be looking – it's not like I'm targeting any of these guys, but I'm not really avoiding any of them either at their current prices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the Bears are a team where, like, I feel like they're moving in the right direction, but I still don't trust them right now. Like, I don't think that they're as good of a team. I don't think they're that good of a team – just in general. So really the only player I like is Allen Robinson, just because he's going to be an absolute target monster. Like I said, so, you know, but yeah, I mean, the addition of Justin Fields helps, but I still think it's going to be a little minute before we see him take the field. I don't know if he's going to be a week one starter. Definitely possible though. I think it would help a lot of fantasy stocks if he is, but yeah, I'm just not, I'm trying to stay away from this offense. Demon is another interesting player, but I just expect him to underperform a little bit from, I think a lot of people are expecting way too much from him. So I'm overall just not too excited. I think that the addition of Justin Fields made a lot of people think that this is going to be some flashy high-scoring offense, but I, it's going to take a, at least two, at least another year for that to develop if it is going to develop. So I'm just kind of staying away from them now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm not I'm not like loving the Bears. I mean, you're right. You said it's – like you said, it's trending in the right direction. I, I guess I do like the Bears' offense, but it's not like I'm targeting them a ton. So um, – Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right. I think that's about it for the Bears. Didn't do much else, and except like like we said, Tevin Jenkins, Detroit Lions. Not much for them in free agency either. They signed Jamal Williams, who is just a kind of a worse version of DeAndre Swift. If we're being completely honest, I don't like. I, I'm still really like DeAndre Swift, and this is just making him a crazy value. He plummeted on Fantasy Pros from RB14 all the way to RB21, which is going to be amazing. He's I, he has the potential to be a workhorse back just because he's the better back there, and mm-hmm. I don't care about Jamal Williams enough because I would be scared if they signed like. Jordan Howard because then it could become a Miles Sanders situation where Howard they throw him in at the goal line that would be Mm -hmm. terrible but there's nothing Williams does better than DeAndre and I said this last episode there's just not watch Mm -hmm. if you watch the film Swift is a better pass catcher he's definitely better between the tackles that's the most clear advantage he has and he's more explosive yeah I wouldn't agree with you as much on the pass catching I think Jamal Williams that's what he does he's a really good pass catcher so I think that's where he'll most take away but yeah I don't think it's going to be as much I would still say Swift value I'd still say Swift's a little bit better of a pass catcher. You're right that Williams is really good at that. But, Swift, we, but Swift's home run ability makes him a slightly better out-of-the-backfield pass catcher. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the big trade, uh, the Matthew Stafford for Jared Goff. Jared Goff is definitely a downgrade, but I mean, you know, this He'll is still a running back, hopefully. Or actually, maybe he won't. He didn't throw to Cam Akers that much. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, he, so. he has Swift now. Swift's a better pass catcher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I'm just not loving Jared Goff next year. And I think that's a long – I mean, they also lost Kenny G and and uh, Marvin Jones. So I just think that this passing attack is going to be really limited, and that's just going to help DeAndre Swift all the more because that's going to be their their main uh, their main point of attack, it, the running game. So Well, yeah. I mean, guys like Chubb, JT, Akers, um, I guess not really – or sort of McCaffrey have had success with limited – passing games like that's not the end-all be-all for the running back is like do they have a good passing game as well so I'm I just like Swift is 
around I think he's my RB12 right now he, he he really has a ton of potential I probably am a little bit worried about Williams but and about the whole scheme and about Jared Goff but not that much it just made me put him at, behind a couple other of like potential breakout candidates but he's going to be an amazing value in drafts at that RB21 price I think we can agree at that Chris right mm-hmm. yeah like would you rather have Josh Jacobs or Miles Sanders or Clyde Edwards Alaire or Montgomery or even Chris Carson, who's good, but not as good as Swift. Would you rather have those yeah, guys? No, than I'd rather have Swift than all those guys. Yeah, exactly. Like he's in a especially, tier four right especially now. Especially Josh Jacobs. Like the lowest I could see him is like tier three RB 16 when I'm looking at these rankings. Cause like the top 15 RBs, like they end with Najee Harris, JK Dobbins, guys like that. But mm-hmm. th- like, yeah, I know, have him over JK too. I don't really mm-hmm. like, but he does not belong in this tier four. Like I'm just seeing a stud buried with these like eh, kind of guys. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. And then the Lions in the draft drafted Penny Sewell. That's actually really good for Swift as a tackle. The Lions were so happy to get him, and they're building this team from the core outward. Dan Campbell got his six-year contract, and he's going to start in the trenches with the offensive line, and then he picked two defensive linemen. But other than that, he got Amon Ross St. Brown, who was having a good camp and was a fourth-round pick, which is a problem for his potential. But since there's really no one else there other than Rashad Perriman and Tyrell Williams, you could maybe take him as, like, a wide receiver 66 or something when usually 66 67 wide receivers go in a draft something like that mm-hmm. yeah okay um next up we've got who do we have after the lions it's not letting me scroll we have the green bay packers who <laughs> that's kind of funny the nfl.com has the uh, name is ken bankert when it's actually kurt bankert and um, mm-hmm. the only reason I know it's Kurt Bankert is because I watched a Madden video where he played Madden. But um, yeah, C- Kurt Bankert and Blake Bortles coming in to compete with Jordan Love because the Packers don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to be back. Resigning Aaron Jones is huge. He will. You've been always an Aaron Jones guy, Chris. I think he continues to be really good, and he might even be like he was putting up top five numbers before. And now he loses Jamal Williams. I mean, he has that potential again. It's just hard to rank him ahead of like Chubb and Zeke. And a lot of the finishes were because of like running back injuries when a lo- most running backs get hurt. Like they average like two games missed a season. So it's a little bit misleading. So that's why I have him a little bit lower as like a borderline top eight, top 10 guy. But he can still be really good next year. It's not like he's a bad value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think the biggest thing that makes Aaron Jones so good is his pass catching ability Uh Without it, I'd be a little bit concerned. Um, I like Aaron Jones next year. I'm not as high on him as some people actually were and as high on him as I have been on the past just because, especially right now, I'm still with that Rodgers concern. That that scares me a little bit because I really think his value would fall off a cliff if if Rodgers left. And then A.J. Dillon is coming into this offense. But really, I mean, there's a gaping hole where Jamal K. Williams was catching a lot of passes, and so I'm kind of convincing myself here on the show. But I think that Aaron – that. Aaron Jones is going to start to take over that, and that's going to help his fantasy value a lot. So the more I speak on him, I, the more I excited I become about him. I've always been an Aaron Jones truther. But, yeah, I mean, I think that that gaping hole in targets that Jamal Williams leaves is going to help him a lot. And so that's I mean, exciting for fantasy. Yeah, what? it does bring up an interesting point, though, because, I mean, if Jamal Williams – like, we all want Aaron Jones to get more targets. That's great. But if Jamal – Jamal Williams also had a lot of carries. So – I you also kind of hope like Aaron Jones has been consistently like at five yards above or above per carry. You kind of want AJ Dillon to get some carries. And I think he will, because if Aaron Jones's efficiency goes down, but his volume goes up, I don't know if that makes much of a difference for him other than wearing him down and making his career arc or ending his career a little bit sooner. So I don't know. And you're right. If Rogers leaves, 
I don't know if he'll be as efficient. And that's where he made his hay. Like, that's why I, a lot of people are like, please send Aaron Jones to Miami to send his value to the moon. Like this is easily the best spot he could ever be in. I don't understand why people thought it could have been better with him mm-hmm. as a workhorse because his yards per carry is going to go down. So it's just, yeah. And I mean, instantly. they love to run Aaron Jones on the outside too, and get him open for passes downfield. So he finds the end zone a ton too. They like to use him in the passing game in the red zone. So, you know, I just, I really like what he can do for the passing game. And then, He's been a solid runner, too. I'm just a little bit worried about A.J. Dillon stealing some goal line touches. That's my only concern right now. All right. Yeah, and then they drafted a center, also drafted Amari Rodgers in the draft. I'm not really – I like Rodgers as a stash for Dynasty because based on all reports, we've been hearing he's had a good camp as well, and he's also just a good explosive receiver. He could be a good Dynasty stash, but not really in redraft. Just It's going to be hard to find the field in year one with – Lazard and Valdez Scantling, although I don't, again, I don't mind taking him late. He'll be free in your league. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, next team, why do I keep doing, I keep dragging the tab out to like a whole new window. Uh, next team is the Minnesota Vikings. Didn't do much in free agency to, for this offense at all. So we're just going to have Dalvin Cook running offense, Adam Thielen, maybe a bit inconsistent, but when he scores touchdowns, he's great. And then Justin Jefferson probably rack up a ton of yards again. Picked Christian Darisaw at tackle. That'll just only help Dalvin Cook. And then Kellen Mond is a backup quarterback, but not much. I don't think there's really anything we need we need to talk about for this team in terms of fantasy change. This is basically the same offense we saw last year. I know Gary Kubiak is gone, but now Clint Kubiak, his son, is the new offensive coordinator, so I don't expect any scheme change at all. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's about it for the Vikings. Yeah, definitely. Um. Justin Jefferson should be really good next year. And I'm going to have him, I think, pretty similar to ADP. And, I mean, he showed how good he was last year. One of the best, I think, maybe if not the best value in that whole entire draft last year. So, uh, yeah, really exciting for him. And, yeah, I like this Vikings team. Kirk Cousins, I don't actually like as much as some people do. But I still find him – actually, no, I, I, I'm going to go back on that because I feel like I shouldn't like him as much. Like, I end up liking him more than ADP just because – you kind of know what you're getting. I feel like the upside is very low for mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins just because he doesn't have that rushing ability. But, I mean, he's a really solid QB2, and I find, like, his ADP dropping to the back in QB2 when I think he can still be, like, a, a top QB2 just because he's that consistency. And when I'm looking for a second quarterback to play a backup, I just want to know that I'm getting some kind of consistency. So if my guy gets injured or is on a bye week, I know what I'm getting, and I can survive that week. And that's what Kirk Cousins gives me. I mean, this is the ultimate late round QB strategy. Just get Kirk Cousins and Daniel Jones, QB 16 and 19, or even mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield, QB 16 and 17. Two guys that are basically like not free, but you can pick them super late and just play them based on matchups and get tons of big games. If you combined mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins and Baker Mayfield's season last year, you'd have a very, very good quarterback. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's just the fact of the matter. Wait on quarterbacks, people. Even if you want yep. Kyler, don't lock up Kyler over passing up like Miles Gaskin or Chris Carson or. God forbid DeAndre Swift. Um, <laughs> like that would that would not be good. But I, I could see yep. some people taking him over DeAndre. It it could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, NFC South, the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, we'll start with them. I guess. Uh, I feel like there was something else I was gonna say. I don't really remember. Um, I know we do these episodes kind of in August where we have like we go over the um, we go over the full team. Like, and just not even just free agency, just the full rosters. After we do our general fantasy preview, we'll just dive in each to each team in each offense. And we do eight teams per episode, but that's not really, 
I thought I was going to say something else, but I don't remember. So we'll move on. Atlanta, mm-hmm. they drafted Kyle Pitts at number four and traded Julio Jones. Didn't do much in free agency. So I think I've talked about how I think Calvin Ridley has wide receiver one upside. He is an elite outside receiver. He was as good as anyone in football, not named Devontae Adams last year. And because of the uncertainty with Aaron Rodgers and Tyreek Hill, probably going to have a little bit of a touchdown regression. I really love Ridley. And then I think Kyle Pitts is set up to have the best rookie tight end season of all time. Being out Evan Ingram, probably my tight end six next year behind like proven good, consistent guys like Kelsey Kittle, Waller, Hawkinson, Andrews. Yeah. Uh, the only player that I don't like in this offense is Matt Ryan for fantasy. And just because I feel like he's not as talented as people think. And that's one of the oh, biggest okay. reasons that uh, I'm limiting Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts at the moment. Right now, I just don't trust Matt Ryan to make those big throws. He's been struggling, especially putting up fantasy points over the last two years. So um, I've been let down by Matt Ryan before, and I'm not going to make that same <laughs> mistake again. He's a, a player that I'm staying away from. And uh, I'm actually – I'm not as high on this Falcons offense as a lot of people are. I'm kind of trying to just stay away. I, Matt Ryan doesn't have time in the pocket, so I don't think that it's going to be tough for – I mean, just – for him to get the ball out, Mike Davis is the only player that I like a little bit just because I think he's going underrated just because it's Mike Davis, you know, and people don't realize that he showed a lot of talent last year. But, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of staying away from this Falcons offense. I don't really want Kyle Pitts or Calvin Ridley maybe. Kyle Pitts not really. So, yeah, that's kind of my stance. I'm just not very high. I don't trust Matt Ryan anymore. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I don't, I wouldn't say it's not as talented as people think. I would just say that he has definitely regressed throughout his career. In yeah, terms and of I mean, not having throws. an offensive line is such a struggle mm-hmm. for him. And he's but I mean, he threw... the Falcons continue to do nothing about it, the, but the Falcons, they didn't really, I mean, Mike Davis, the fact that Mike Davis stayed as the starting running back, he really wore off at the end of last year with Carolina and just got a lot less efficient. Like he might be one of those fresh legs running backs, like Damian Williams was where he just came in with fresh legs and dominated, but he wasn't actually that good. I feel like that might be Mike Davis and the Falcons are going to, I just think they're going to continue to throw the ball a ton. I know it's a new coach, but I don't really understand what, what else they would do. So there's an incredible target ceiling for Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts, which is why I wouldn't even mind taking Pitts higher than six. It's just those five guys have such locked in target shares and are consistently like really, really good that like, and there's like no other tight ends other than them and Pitts that you, that are like consistently reliable, unless you like Mike Kosicki that you just got to kind of like, you know, I, although I do like Mike Kosicki, it's just like consistently like very, very good is what I'm trying to say. But yeah, mm-hmm. prioritize tight ends. Try to get one of those top six guys. It, it's yep. worth it. Trust me. Positional advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's move on. Carolina Panthers got Sam Darnold in a trade. I don't know. This doesn't change much for me in terms of quarterback situation. Darnold has a little more potential than Teddy Bridgewater, but I feel like his floor is probably a little bit lower. And then they took Terrace Marshall in the draft, late second round. I expect Marshall, I don't think he's going to get like playing time right away. That's not what usually happens with these receivers unless they're in the first round. But later in the year, he'll probably eat into DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson's ceiling a bit. Doesn't change how much I value these guys that much because I don't think we, I think we saw that those guys don't have like a crazy ceiling anyway. But uh, Marshall's a good, I, I like him in Dynasty, but not as much in redraft because just because I like his talent, but don't know if he's going to have a huge impact in year one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other wide receivers stay about the same for me. I mean, in that offense, you've got Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and then you've got a quarterback that Sam Darnold that isn't that great. So 
lots of mouth to feed and a quarterback that's not really good at doing that. So I think that that just doesn't leave much room for Terrace Marshall this year, but eventually I always harp on this talent shows through. So that's why I think that Marshall is an, an intriguing dynasty buy. Uh-huh. All right. And then um, guys like, yeah, I got him for pretty cheap in my dynasty. Like, I don't know if you can, you probably can't in most because people who draft him, like most of the time, like, I mean, a lot of people were really high on Terrace Marshall heading into the draft, but um, I was actually able to get him as like a throw in for a deal, which was pretty surprising. And then mm-hmm. just got a guy to keep an eye on Chuba Hubbard. Their fourth round pick is absolutely free in redraft RB 74. And since Christian McCaffrey dealt with three different injuries last year, you can literally get him for absolutely free. Like he won't go drafted. And like, if you're a McCaffrey owner, just get him in the last round real quick. Kind of like Alexander Madison. We don't know if he's going to be good, but at least you'll have a starting running back to replace McCaffrey with. And there's nobody else there. So even if he averages three yards a carry, at least you have a starting running back. If mm-hmm. McCaffrey gets that. Um, yep. New Orleans Saints, Jameis Winston signed with the team. This is big. This will change Michael Thomas's value a lot, whether Jameis Winston push the ball downfield, Jameis Winston, or run the ball, Taysom Hill starts. I know the Saints want to run the ball a lot. I So I don't really trust any of their pass catchers other than Michael Thomas right now. And, uh, I mean, Kamara's value changes to me. I know Winston doesn't throw to the running back a ton, but I feel like he will a little more. Kamara knows how to run downfield routes, and he's easily the best running back Winston's ever played with. And yeah, he's just also a good route runner and the only, one of the only other options there. So um, mm-hmm. this offense hasn't changed a ton though. Or actually, I won't say that because Winston led the league in passing yards a couple of years ago. Like this could be a huge season for Thomas and may, not as much Kamara, but maybe Kamara as well uh, if Winston breaks out and starts instead of Taysom. We just don't know if Winston will start the whole year or who will mm-hmm. start the whole year. Yep. And then pretty much focused on defense the in the draft. So not much there. Move on to the Buccaneers. They re-signed Leonard Fournette and Giovanni Bernard. This backfield is just, it's impossible. Because you could look at their point totals last year and say, oh, Ronald Jones got a lot of fantasy points. He was like an, a solid RB2 for a lot of the year. Well, that doesn't matter if like half part of the weeks, he's just suddenly going to be in the doghouse and get zero for you because that's going to hurt your team more than like you're going to bench him some of the weeks he does well, sit, uh, start him some of the weeks he does bad. So you're not getting that much out of him. So he has, his value is actually way lower than his rank. And then you just can't trust that backfield. Just avoid it. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I'm actually against avoiding it because I like Ronald Jones as a talent. I'm more, but actually I think you just have to be, understand that there's a lot of risk that you're inherited so if you want to go ahead and actually i don't know it's tough yeah actually i'd probably agree with calvin that i'm going to try and stay away unless one of them falls really far but i mean i think that i guess ronald jones takes a step up and becomes the the one and leonard fournette kind of falls maybe into a 1a sort of role like Mm -hmm. they're both ones but ronald jones gets a little bit more you know so yeah, I'm in agreement with you, though. It's tough to predict, and one of these running backs is probably going to not hit what their ADP is just because they're not going to get the touches that a lot of people thought. And so that makes it kind of nerve-wracking. So. Mm-hmm. And then wide receivers, Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. I think the all three of these guys, Evans is like the wide receiver 10 on Fantasy Pros, but we actually know that Godwin does have a bit of a ceiling, and he was playing pretty well. Like, he was on a solid pace near the end of the season when Tom Brady – figured out the offense and they figured out mm-hmm. how to use him and Bruce Arians uh I mean the fantasy footballers for example are people that talk about this a lot Bruce Arians system 
has quarterbacks struggle when they first enter it, but then they, I, I know they sort of shaped it for Brady as well. And they also Brady got used to it. He's a great quarterback. He got used to it sooner than most, but yeah, Chris Godwin at wide receiver 14. I don't mind that. I'll take that. But Antonio Brown, I feel like can be a really solid value. Like he's the wide receiver mm-hmm. 50. I would take him all day over LaVisca Chenault and Mike Williams and Michael Ooh. Pittman and Michael LaVisca Gallup, Chenault. all guys ahead of him. That's incredible. Like I would, we saw Antonio Brown, like mm-hmm. actually play. like. No, a I'm, I'm in disagreement with you though. Wait, say those three guys. He, wait, what do you mean you're in disagreement? He was putting up like pretty much wide receiver two numbers for a lot of that. Michael Pittman, Mike Williams, LaVisca Chenault, Michael Gallup, Marquise Brown, Jarvis Landry. These are even guys who are almost like double-digit spots ahead of him. Like some of them. Well, are you looking at half PPR? Yes. Oh. Wait, are his rankings like completely different and full? Oh, no, I'm looking oh, at Oh, I'm looking at standard. Oops, I've been yeah. looking at standard the whole time. Well, let's see if anything changes. Um, no, well, for some reason, DK Metcalf... Oh, that's why the rankings were – they must have different rankers for each format. Why are they so different? Okay, he's the wide receiver 47, but guys ahead of him, Michael Gallup, LaVisca Chenault, Marquise Brown. Yeah, Charles I'd take Landry. him over Marquise Brown. I would take him over uh, Devontae oh, Parker. That's why him. these rankings are different. Yeah, oh. so, I mean, actually, there are a lot of good wide receivers this year, though, I feel like. This is a deep wide receiver year. I'd take him over Jarvis Landry, too, but – yeah, I mean, I like LaVisca. Maybe I'd take him over Michael Gallup, too. That's a tough one, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah, definitely and sorry, like to him. clarify, I, mean, I was going to be valuable, and he's so talented, and people forget about that. Tom Brady's going to throw to a talented receiver if he's open, and Tom Brady knows how to hit an open receiver. So mm-hmm. I think that uh, that's a good combination there, and you should expect to see not a massive amount of targets, but I think he's going to do a lot with the targets that he does get. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, by the way, so I was using standard rankings to clarify. Half PPR, it's not that much different, and I actually realize it's probably the same rankers, but DeAndre Swift does climb to the RB17. Still a great value, but he do, he's not, like, crazy low like I thought. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. To clarify that, that's kind of frustrating that I used that the whole time. Uh, move mm-hmm. on to the NFC West. The Cardinals signed James Conner, who isn't that great. AJ Green you don't need to worry about, but James Conner, he wasn't that great last year, pretty inefficient, but I feel like he's still a better inside runner than Chase Edmonds who just hasn't done it, and when he has, it's been bad. So, like, I feel like Connor will get the majority of carries, but Edmonds is a great pass catcher, so he'll get some receptions. I'm avoiding that backfield. I, I mean, I might take Connor, like, a little bit later because he'll probably drop just because people are sort of mad on him. But Edmonds I'm definitely avoiding. Then in the draft, they got Rondale Moore. I just – I know he's, like, really, really speedy and stuff, but he's a little bit – He's his size is a little bit more of an issue, and unlike Devonta Smith, he's not like a crazy outlier because he didn't win like some. He didn't win the Heisman. He was great, but he wasn't like incredible like Devonte was. So I don't know if Rondale Moore is just a, too complete of a wide receiver. So I'm a little bit lower on him than most. It feels like a like a Tyreek Hill type of pick, and that's why I feel like he dropped a little bit more than people expected to like pretty far into the mid middle of the second round. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I. Pretty much agree with you, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I just think that it's tough because Rondale Moore, I feel like he's really talented, and they said that they're going to try and manufacture touches for him. But I don't know if his size is going to hold up in the NFL. I'd like to hear that they're manufacturing touches, but I'm a little bit concerned about him. He's really fast, but I don't know if he's like that Tyreek Hill dynamic, you know? I think he's just not mm-hmm. as good as him. 
Tyreek Hill definitely. And yes, he has some tools, but I think just think his size is going to limit him. And then he's also in an offense that uh, that already has DeAndre Hopkins and a running quarterback. So I'm not super high on Rondell Moore. Okay. Yeah, me either. Uh, Want to move on to the Rams? Yeah. All right. Um, Matthew Stafford, their main. Wait, did you hear a did you hear a noise from like my computer? Or was that from your from your uh, mic? For some reason. Oh, I think um, I heard. I think I might have heard your chair scooting or something. Sorry, I got distracted. No. But um, the Rams. We'll move on to them. They got Matthew Stafford, and that's going to help, I think. Uh, Matthew Stafford's just going to be more consistent than Jared Goff, and that's going to help Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. Their current rankings in half half PPR this time. Cooper Cup is wide receiver 21. Robert Woods, wide receiver 17. That's about where I'd take him, probably. I'm not loving those guys. I just don't love their upside. And then Tutu Atwell, surprisingly, went in the second round, even though he's only 155 pounds. Again, just that that's probably like more to my point than what I said about Rondale Moore because his size is a real problem. Like more than Devontae, like Devontae Smith is like, has a good 15 pounds on this guy, 10 or 15 pounds. And yet he's like, he, he, but Tutu didn't like put up nearly the college production that Devontae Smith had. So I don't understand. I don't think he's going to be able to have much success in the NFL other than just like on a limited touch count where he can get them manufactured and get the, um, I'm trying to think of what I'm trying to say. Just get like, take it, take screen passes. He's definitely not a deep ball guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I guess that's about it. So any thoughts before we move on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't like Tutu Atwell at all. I don't think that his talent is going to translate, but I do love the addition of Matthew Stafford. Actually really excited about Cam Akers, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. So I'm actually very high on this offense going into the season. I think they're, going to take a step up and this is one of my sleeper teams to be a super bowl contender so yeah just watch out for them remember that calvin super bowl contender oh wow okay yeah i sort of that sort of breezed right by i heard it and i was just like "Mm -hmm." and i was like oh wait no wait a second (laughs) i think they can do it okay Uh, i don't think so i think they're a little little while away and fourth round if if a team goes to the super bowl then they probably have a good offense so it translates Mm -hmm. fantasy well i'm i like a lot of people (laughs) in their offense wow actually the rams have the fourth best super bowl odds Wow, no. that's actually crazy. Okay, wait. Uh, fourth round pick, compensatory selection, so a late pick. Jacob Harris, six foot five, classic, tall but very raw wide receiver. I don't think he's gonna have much of an impact unless he's one of those analytical outliers who just compensates with his athleticism. Uh, so yeah, I mean I it's possible, so. but I don't. I'm not mm-hmm. really worrying about. Him. Yeah, I don't think so. San Francisco 49ers. They signed Wayne Gallman to muddle up that backfield. Gallman and Sermon will be competing for that number two role while Jeff Wilson's out uh, behind Raheem Mostert, who I think is the one. I think Raheem Mostert can be a value this year, even though I know I'm going <laughs> to – I sound like a broken record about Raheem Mostert because I said the same thing last year, but he's behind Chase Edmonds and Melvin Gordon and ETN. I, and I would take him over all of those, I feel like. So I feel like he can be a nice little value for sure next year and hopefully the 49ers medical – issues improve where the entire team went down with injuries. I think it'll, they, they, I know they know they had a problem. I think they'll fix some stuff for next year. Yep. Kyle Juszczyk was re-signed to a deal. He's a great fullback, not that impactful for fantasy though. Um, And then in the draft, they picked Trey Lance at number three. Trey Lance probably won't play that much this year. We already talked about Trey Sermon sort of, he's just sort of in a muddled backfield. They traded up for him. They think he's pretty talented. But I don't think he takes over for Raheem Mostert this year, so I just he's not mm-hmm. much more than a handcuff for me. 
Although if he does yeah, become actually, a starter, he can be good in this offense. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's going to be a few people in every league that are excited about Trey Sherman. So I, but I don't mind taking him at his ADP because the uh, opportunity that he could take over the backfield is really intriguing because, I mean, remember, that's why people were willing to draft Kevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert in the same offseason. You know, there's room for two RBs in this offense because of just how run heavy it is. So that uh, that I think that there's definitely some good reason to draft Trey Sherman because he definitely has a high ceiling if he does become the starter. I just don't think he will. So I don't mind him at his ADP. But then, uh, yeah, I still think Raheem Mostert is the number one back. And I, in total agreement with you, Calvin, that Trey Lance might not even see the field this season. I think that this year, things are going to be a little bit quiet. But after this year, I think that a lot of players could uh, explode on this 49ers team with Trey Lance coming in. And I think he's going to be a really good quarterback. Yeah, he has huge rushing upside. So, like, Mm -hmm. in the future, he's a great pick in Dynasty, especially. Like, he could even – there's an argument for him as the Dynasty quarterback one. And a lot Mm -hmm. of the Trey Sermon talk that that we talk about has been about his Dynasty value, which I don't really love. I feel like a lot of people are reaching on him, and it's sort of maybe a Keyshawn Vaughn situation. Although, Mm -hmm. it just might be a miss for the 49ers, who aren't historically all that great at drafting. But I, I liked Trey Lance's film. I liked how he he was very explosive in the rushing game, and he also has a good arm. So we shouldn't just – he's not exactly like Cam Newton. He could be like a more complete version of Cam Newton. That's honestly his ceiling. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and then the Seahawks. Resigned Chris Carson. He's going to continue being a value. As long as he's on the field, he's always going to be top 15, top 15 running back in points per game and very consistent. Mm-hmm. So his RB19 ranking on Fantasy Pros – Definitely take and they got uh, Gabe He'll, Jackson too, which is which was really good for them. Yeah, that's so. good on for their offensive line. Yeah, that'll be help Chris Carson uh, having a guard inside to protect him a little bit more, mm-hmm. helping and, his efficiency. And they also gave a, a little bit of money to Gerald Everett, who's a tight end I really like. I read a lot that a lot of teams were excited about him and liked his athletic potential, and he flashed that some with the Rams. He's a guy that uh, is one of my sleeper tight ends. I have him and Troutman on my dynasty team. I feel like one of them is going to eventually become a top 12 tight end. I'm not 100% sure which one, but he's another one of my sleeper tight ends that I like going into this season. Yeah, I mean, they paid him up to $7 million, including $6 million guaranteed. That's a lot. But yeah, yeah Carson, they're going to go back to a run-first offense, the Seahawks, but that'll help his efficiency, with they that what they did with the offensive line. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not necessarily that it's RB19 ranking, like, I probably rank him a few spots higher, but I don't mind it in terms of running backs, but he'll probably drop behind some wide receivers that he shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And yep. then they took Dwayne Eskridge over Terrace Marshall, which is just unbelievable. Just going to make Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf slightly more inconsistent. Although I think Eskridge is more of a project who won't see the field much in year one. I don't really care about him that much for either redraft or dynasty. Don't really need to worry about him at all. Um, yeah. And, except it's just a little bit more frustrating for guys that I already don't like Tyler and DK, because even though, like I said, their rankings are completely misleading. If you don't know when to play them, you're not going to get full advantage of their points, and they're going to feel like a way worse wide receiver to you. So, I mean, if you had, like, Tyler Lockett last year and you felt like, oh, man, he was so bad, why on earth would I draft him at the back end wide receiver too? Don't worry. There are, thing, there are, there are things that can back you up here because you were getting – most of the time he hurt you when you started him, and if you, you might have benched him for his big games. So his wide receiver 24 ranking is way too high. So don't ignore that gut feeling at all. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm I'm in agreement with you there. There's just uh, going back to a run first offense. The inconsistency is going to be there because teams are going to have different strategies regarding Lockett and Metcalf, with their focuses being on one or the other, and that's going to change week by week. 
And it's really tough to tell. That's not something we can just look at uh, how good the defense is and decide that. It's not, it's not going to be what it comes down to. It's going to be how the offensive coordinator decides to, or defensive coordinator decides to play against the Seahawks. So I just think that limits their value. They're going to be, they're going to finish, I think, probably close to their ADP, but I think the inconsistency makes them less of a value. I think they're, I'm going to draft them a little bit lower than their ADP, even if they might finish there because of their inconsistencies. All right. All right, that's it for the episode, Chris. Unless you have any final thoughts, make sure to follow us on Twitter at SGF Pod, at Calvin underscore SGF, at Chris underscore SGF. Uh, subscribe to Second and Goal Sports Talk on YouTube. Help us get that custom channel URL with 100 subscribers, and you can watch our weekly live shows every Wednesday from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. Email us, secondandgoalfantasy at gmail.com, talk at gmail.com with questions. If you want to go check out our rookie profiles, you can go to the website. It's linked in the description. Just go to sites.google.com slash view slash secondandgoalfantasy. And so you can go look at our website and our rankings and um, all that. And I, I guess actually don't really look at our rankings. They're not updated. Just look at our rookie profiles. Mm-hmm. But rankings will come out by the QB preview episode, which – after sleepers and busts, like next two episodes, sleepers, busts, and then the QB preview, fantasy is right around the corner, and our rankings are coming out very, very soon. I'm very excited, Chris. Yep, me too. All right. So thank you for listening, everyone. It was a good show. Part two is finally done. If you listen to both of these shows, kudos to you because you went through two hours, or I don't know how long the show is, probably almost two hours of fantasy football content. Got you guys double- mm-hmm info this week so i hope you appreciated it and we'll see you next time